0: and welcome to another episode of the iFreak show this week on our panel we have sujin ro hi i'm charles maxwood from devchat.tv and we have a special guest this week uh jacob eiding you got it hi (laughs) yeah i'm always i'm always a little bit uh, with names anyway uh do you want to just give us a rundown of who you are and what you do and why you're famous and
1: (laughs) famous quotey fingers. You can't see on a podcast famous. Uh, yeah, sure. So I've been building iOS apps since that they were a thing back in 2008 or so. I started, uh, launching apps on the app store, building SDKs. Um, I did a short tour at Apple on the, uh, iOS SDK team. Since then I've been working as a mobile engineer for the past decade or so. And then, um, two years ago, my, my co-founder and I started a company called revenue cat, um, which aims to make in-app purchase subscriptions an easier problem for developers. Um, is because prior to that, the last company I worked at, we were doing in app subscriptions really with a pain, realized that this is a problem that needs to be solved or could, could be improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. So slowly have been transitioning from, I started off as building an SDK and like doing a lot of engineering stuff slowly been moving more and more towards less of that, but I, I still am like in the code pretty often. And, uh, yeah, I care a lot about, you know, making things easier for devs. So.
0: Yeah, All my business friends, they always, you know, I tell them I got into the code and they're like, bad, bad, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> there's this reverse it, at some point my, you know, my, my co-founder and I, he's, he's the CTO and I'm the CEO. And like, eh, at some point I started to realize like, Oh, wow. My, code reviews aren't going as smoothly as they once did.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe it's time for me to kind of, so now I'm only, I, I just write code for myself. I have these massive folders of stuff that doesn't get, get reviewed or checked in or right. anything. It's almost better um, <laughs> that way.
0: Makes sense. With HeadSpin, optimize your mobile user experiences 24 seven for any application running on any device and any network anywhere in the world. Their AI-powered analyses track user experience metrics and KPIs over time from cold and warm starts to errors, crashes, and response times, and audio and video quality to biometric responsiveness. Headspin will automatically surface issues and the root cause information you need to optimize user experience for your product or service providing actionable insights end-to-end across applications, devices, and networks with the world's first global device cloud that uses thousands of real SIM-enabled devices on actual carrier and Wi-Fi networks in hundreds of locations around the globe with 100% uptime. Keep your mobile user experiences ahead of the pack and achieve mobile success with a unified proactive approach to testing, performance monitoring, and user experience analytics only with Headspin. Learn more at headspin.io. So... Um, I, I guess we should just dive right in. Cause I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, I personally haven't written an in-app subscription. Have you Sujin? Um, no, actually I tried, um, I, I was actually thinking about making one for my side project app,
2: but I kind of, you know, thought it was not, I don't know. I, I was going to ask him to, I, I was going to ask uh, Jacob today
0: of what he th- thought of, think about the idea, but yeah,
2: I'll ask later.
0: Yeah, well, we can definitely bring it into the show, um but yeah, I mean, I've thought about putting together like a devchat.tv app, and then mm-hmm. you know have people pay for a subscription or something. But yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start, and it Are sounds we, like it's a pain. So
1: yeah, I mean, we have you guys worked with StoreKit before at all? Uh-uh. Okay, so let's talk about StoreKit. A little history lesson, going back to iOS 3.0 and the invention of StoreKit. So. When
0: 3.0, wow. I was
1: 3.0. Yeah. So iOS 2.0 is the first SDK. Uh, first, first iOS version that had supported apps did not have in-app purchase. So the only way you can make money on the app store then, well, you could have a free app that you monetize through ads or something else, mm-hmm. or you could just sell your app upfront two ninety nine 99, whatever it was, or at nine 90 or a thousand dollars if you were, I am rich. Right. Um, and, uh, one year later, because is WWDC 2009, they announced StoreKit, which at the time was pretty novel. Like I, I remember, I remember hearing about the the session at DubDub Dub and being like, "What even is that?" <laughs> um, and I was like, "Oh, it's micro Which in my mind at the time, that was like Zynga. Like that was like the thing you would, you know, in app purchases were something that was for for these kind of like uh, online addictive games. Um, but you know, when it turned out, I think it was really smart. It kind of really changed the way people could pay for software on iPhone. And I think it was really successful, especially in the early days at that same model, that Zynga model of like in-app consumable subscriptions. So Angry Birds, you're buying a level, uh, Farmville, you're buying coins, things like that. Um, and in those days it was all transactional. So it was, you know, user would open the app, make a purchase, you would unlock some entitlement or you would get some sort of thing through this, this framework called StoreKit. kit. Um, and that was it. You would, you know, you would somehow mark that in the state of your app that this user had made this purchase. And then, uh, and then that was it. Um, so that was basically the status quo for five or six years until, um, I forget even what what iOS version was, but at some point Apple was like, Hey, what if we allow these to recur? Um, I think it was, they announced like some big partnership with the, uh, newspaper. It was, it was actually tied to this old newsstand thing. If you remember the newsstand, like pre Apple news, um, feature. Um, but they were, Oh yeah, I tried that once. Yeah. You you (laughs) remember it was like that weird folder on iOS. It was like, it was like not a place you wanted your app to be. (laughs) So, so yeah, they kind of like reintroduced it slowly. And initially it was like, this is for periodicals in typical Apple fashion. They were very, you know, very patronizing about it, right? They were like, "This is only for this very specific use case." And da 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 da, da. Um, And then I think it was like that would have been like 2012. And then around like 2014, they were like, "You know what? Let's loosen it up. Like, let's start letting some other apps." And then I guess it was 2014 when they were just kind of like, "Okay, as long as your app provides some sort of content or has some sort of like ongoing relationship, um, you can use subscriptions." And now, I mean, this is a very long explanation for why StoreKit is hard. Um, it's nothing about the really the framework changed between that first like transactional coins and, and in-app purchases like problem. And then they just were like, okay, now let's make it recurring. And it was like, they didn't redesign the API. They didn't really, really rethink how it was built. And so they created uh, just a whole lot of annoying things that, you have to deal with, especially if you're a business that's building, you know, managing a subscriber base is a much bigger problem than just like selling a coin or selling an add-on, you know, you have a one-time exchange with a customer. Um, and 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 so yeah, I mean that's that's sort of the genesis of of why it's difficult. I'm happy to dive in more. You guys want to talk about about receipts, Apple verification, what we do we want to do? I'll go deep. I'll go deep. <laughs> My
0: head already hurts.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, housing caveats like about little things and, and, and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, I really think it came down to Apple kind of, they had one, you know, they've, they, you know, if you look at iOS and I guess Mac OS and just kind of the entire since next step ecosystem, it's all sort of like legacy code built, like Apple doesn't often do like total transformations, right? Even iOS was a version of Mac OS. It was a version of OS 10, like prepared for a new platform. Right. Um, and I think that's sort of what we see in StoreKit now it's like you have this billing platform, which is, you know, used by for billions of dollars of annual revenue. Um, but it was really designed for something else, but you know, and they, they have to support such a broad range of clients and customers and apps that they, they can't really just like change it overnight. Right. So it's a lot of respect for them. It's a, it's a challenging problem.
0: Yeah. I want to hear Sujin's idea as far as adding subscriptions or something to his app. And then we can kind of talk through that. Oh
2: yeah, sure. So it it will be like uh like a consulting session for me. <laughs> oh about it. The, yeah. yeah. So like I have I have this uh app that I've been making small revenue for for about like four years now. Four or five years. And it's like a really small side project app with uh With like small user base, nothing like a real business, so not much new users coming in right now. But I have about like ten thousand monthly users for my app. So I initially I have been selling the app for one dollar for not until now, and then and then I've been updating it like constantly with every every time like new iOS comes out. So, Mm -hmm. but then like. Over time, you know, it's it just um, kind of, you know, really tiring job. What's and your, yeah, what's your incentive, right? Yeah, what's my incentive? Because like, <laughs> it's free. It's free update, and like, yeah. So like, I was so last year, I with the uh, new update, iOS thirteen. You know, th- there's new dark mode. There's mo- so much things. So uh, there was a lot of work. So I just thought I had to make some other like revenue, mm-hmm. more revenue. They will incentivize me to like make better apps so like i was thinking because there's two options subscription and like um in-app purchase but you know i wanted to implement subscription but um it's like the dilemma because all my previous users they already paid paid for it mm-hmm. and if i if i like um implement subscription now it's like the like the worst like the best best scenario that i was like that, that was holding my holding me back was if the user who was re- using the app really well they update the app then they can't use it because they have to sus- subscribe right. right but if they don't update they can still use the previous version of mine so i, th- yeah. I thought there was like a uh, tricking the user so
1: yeah i mean so there's actually some technical things you can do to to, to get around that so one of the one of the things that the so there's this receipt file. Now we're gonna I'm gonna go drive straight down to the store kit. But one <laughs> of the things that Store kit can provide you um is tell you what version of the app somebody downloaded it on. So let's say they oh downloaded version God. one point one, that's saved in their receipt in perpetuity. And so um you can actually pull that out and then make a decision and say, like, oh okay, so folks who installed it, I actually tell you two things. it will tell you the date they installed, but also the version that they downloaded initially, and you can, and you can grant access to people who, if they, if they install before a date.
2: Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah
1: so it, That's one of the things and, it, it, and it's hard to use because, um, the way it works, you can't just go like StoreKit dot original purchase date. Like that would be really nice. Right. But you can't do that. So what you have to do is you have to go store kit, give me the receipt file which is this like base 64, or it's just a binary blob. Then you have to either, you have two choices. You can decode that blob on the device um, using encryption uh, algorithms that Apple does not provide. So you have to write your own decryption organ. <laughs> like, okay. you don't have to write your own, but like you have to figure out how to use OpenSSL to like un- decrypt this. It's not even decrypting, it's, it's just decoded, but yeah, it's still, it's, it's, not, it's challenging. And there's not a lot of sample code out there for it. Um, the other option is you can you can sling that whole receipt file to Apple to their endpoint, and mm-hmm. they'll actually basically just do the decoding for you and send it back. That's a little bit easier. The downside is you have to make a re- a remote call. Um, you have to parse Apple's response, and like they don't always they're not always up, and and it's just challenging. It's just a, mm-hmm. another failure point, right? Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people don't even know that that's, that's possible. And I, and I guess the big thing is it's not so much, yes, you can do all these things, but like, you know, developers like you who are thinking about, you know, oh, I wish I, I'm tr- you're trying to think about how do I make money with my app, right? Like, how do I make this worth doing? Right. So I can provide a better experience for my customers. Yeah. Um, you, you're, you're, you're frozen. Cause you're like, I, I just don't have the tools aren't there. Right. So, so yeah, I think that's one of the big things that's kind of store kit leaves on the table right now is like a lot of people don't realize even some of the stuff you can do. And frankly, you have to like watch a bunch of WWDC talks <laughs> to really understand what you can do. Right. And, um, and, you know, and it's really not what you want to be spending time on either. Right. Like you want to be working on your app. You want to be adding yeah. dark You want to be talking to your customers. Right. You don't want to be sitting there fiddling around with, with store kit Right. So um, but yeah, you can definitely do that. I mean, I think when I, when I talk to folks that are, especially for like indie or side projects, I always like caution, like be prepared. Think about what you actually want this project to be. So if you know, you say like right now you don't have an incentive to improve it because you'll have subscribers think about the like flip side of that, which is now you feel like you have to update it because you have subscribers. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's, okay. that's always like, that's always like the thing I, the thing I caution, you know, side projects on, it's like, if you think, if you want to be serious about this side project and you want it to improve and you really want to grow it, I think subscriptions are great. Um, if, if you, if you want that optionality of being like, Oh, well, yeah, it's like something I invest in when I feel like it it's more for fun. Then I'm like, maybe, maybe don't start this like recurring relationship. Right. Cause, cause it does, it imp- increases the level like what users expect out of your app for sure. They're gonna expect to be able to get a hold of you for customer support. They're gonna expect to, you know, have these regular updates. So you know if you're just not feeling it for a quarter or, or a while and you don't update stuff, like they might be like, hey, what the hell? you know? Um and uh and so yeah, it's it's a it's a balance. It's it's tricky. It's tricky for sure.
2: Yeah. And I never thought about having the pressure to update once i have the subscription on but i think that's <laughs> yeah. a good point yeah yeah
1: i mean i think it's the beauty it's the you know the danger and the beauty of the system right we've been searching as app devs for a mechanism to you know frankly raise the price of apps like if you look at if you look at what happened to the price of an app on the app store it's just gone down over time right um there's just a lot of competition there's a lot of downward price pressure people don't expect to pay more than like a dollar or two for an app um subscriptions are a nice kind of mental hack that's like hey why don't we defer this cost over a year um and and i essentially can raise the price a little bit which i think is good because i think i think software is underpriced in general right now um especially on the consumer side so, so I think that's good, but the, yeah, the downside is then the expectations definitely go up. Right. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and you can make it back at scale or not at scale, but like you get, if you have enough users. That's the beauty of it. If you just get enough users. Suddenly this app can be more than just a side project. Right. That's the dream. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not as hard as you might think, but, um, but it definitely like changes, you know, what you're doing.
2: Yeah. So, uh, one more question on the, on. On your idea, like, do I, re- do I need a backend server to implement, implement a subscription? No, no, okay. not at
1: all. So, so there's the reason that it might even be, is you could classify as a myth about subscriptions. Um, but you really, you really don't need a backend server. Um, with all the information for, cause it, uh, you know, the, 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 the logic essentially, when you launch the app, you need to know is this user subscribed or not? That's the essential question, right? Um, yeah. And the app, the StoreKit framework provides you enough information to answer that question pretty much. Okay. Um, the problem is it's locked in that encrypted container file I was telling you about. So <laughs> you're going to have to pull that apart one way or the other. Um, okay. And so A lot of people just end up sending that to a server to be remotely verified. That has the other advantage of um, giving you some protection against piracy. I say some because it's always defeatable, but if you send that receipt to a known, your own endpoint, your own backend, you can then forward it yourself to Apple, and you know that's a valid connection. Then you can then send that data back to your app and say, yes, this user has a valid subscription that they've paid for. Honestly, for most apps, that's probably not, unless you have an app that is like, let's say providing royalty content that you need to pay, you know, for, or your, or let's say your app consumes an API that you have to pay for, you know, like, and you need to verify that somebody's paid a lot of times the piracy protection isn't super, super important, especially since for most, if you if your user's on a jailbroken device, if they can't crack the app store receipt, they're going to be able to crack your app. Like there's, there's always ways to get around it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it's not super, uh, there's, there's really no way to totally lock down software running on somebody else's device. Right. So, so yeah. So unless you're like sensitive to the, the, the piracy stuff, you can, you can get away with it. The things that you miss out on. And, and where we at revenue cat, where we start to see a lot of people and cause, cause we, we talked to a lot of folks that went that path, right? They were like, Hey, let's get subscriptions into our app. Usually it comes at the end of a product cycle, right? You build this whole thing. You have this vision for a product. It does something that improves somebody's lives at the end of it. You're like, okay, we need to make it a business <laughs> So like, let's throw store kit in there. Um, And so a lot of times developers are crunched for time. And so they'll be like, okay, well, I don't need to do this server stuff right now. Let's just get it shipped. Um, The problem with that is you you trap a lot of interesting data on the device. Like as simple as like, you know, somebody wants to know how many subscribers I have. If you haven't been like Mm. storing those receipts remotely, um, you can't know that. Which is frustrating. I mean, you can know some, actually I'll take that back and say like iTunes connect or I guess app store connect stats are actually getting better. So there's some visibility there, um, these days, but it's still like not super granular and not super powerful because the other thing that the receipt will allow you to do is, uh, you can repeatedly hit Apple and ask them like, Hey, has this user renewed this subscription? Right. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a powerful thing to have like control over, like in your own environment. Right. Cause then you can look and see like exactly who's renewing and who's not and, and things like that. Um, super important for any, if you want to do any kind of marketing or understanding, if you're, especially if you're doing things like user acquisition, you know, as you scale, um, yeah, it's, in those cases, absolutely necessary to have a server, but not in all cases.
2: Oh, okay. Also, also, can you make, uh, like the billing? Not not every month, like like twice a year or once a year. Is that possible?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've actually every have, night. <laughs> every, <laughs> I, I think we should get cool. billing down to the meter or down to the second, like they do, like that's they right. do your electric bill, right?
0: Boo yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, it's just to, I and mean, Somehow we can use blockchain to do that, right? I hear, I hear that that's very, very powerful. Um, yeah, we'll
0: we'll run it so, with an AI. Let's see what other buzzwords we <laughs> throw in.
1: <laughs> uh yes yeah yeah you can Apple. they have what see if i can name it this is this is a good this is a good revenue catch trivia yeah. how, how many different subscription periods are there there's a weekly monthly bi-monthly quarterly i don't know if there's bi-monthly managed to check me on that one there's quarterly yeah. uh and then 6 month and annual plans okay so yeah you they actually have quite a bit of flexibility and then there's also like you can also do, man, it's gotten so complicated. It used to just be that like, was it like those were, those were it. Oh, and then free trials. So you could have like a one week free trial and then a one month subscription or a one month free trial. And then a one month subscription a couple of years ago, they added this introductory offers concept. So now you can do things like not just free trials, but you can do like, oh, it's, you know, half price for the first six months and then X dollars after, or, um, you can do how's it like, yeah, 99 cents for three months. And then, you know, whatever you can do like a lot more combinations and they have different modes, like pay as you go. Oh man. I did a big blog post on this at some point and I knew them all at that time, but there's like, pay as you go pay up front, like a lot of flexibility, which is opinion, frankly, I think is way more than anybody ever needed or asked for, but thanks Apple anyway. Um, but the, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of combinations of stuff you can do now. It's, 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 it's pretty good. I think actually on that side of what the storekit ecosystem offers is pretty decent. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's not as powerful as something like another billing platform like Stripe or um, Recurly or some of these others where you get a lot of granular control, but it, it's, it's not bad. You can usually put together something that you, that you, you know, want to do.
2: Yeah, I think Apple is really uh, pushing the subscription model on, on developers.
1: Well, I think they've seen the, I don't know if you watched their, if you watch the quarterly, um, when they report their earnings and stuff, but they, they have this giant, uh, this giant category called services revenue, which includes like Apple plus or sorry, uh, Apple TV subscription, Apple music, um, but it also includes all of our, (laughs) includes all of our app store revenue, (laughs) like that we all make. So I don't know if they include the whole top line number of that, but, um, but yeah, they've realized that it's, it's really, you know, and they've been a company that up to this point has manufactured hardware, which typically has a limited margin. They get a pretty good margin on it because it's really nice hardware and they have a good brand, but. It's still margin challenged. And then they're like, oh, we can sell software that can be infinitely repeated and copied. Right. And (laughs) it just prints money. Right. So they've Mm -hmm. they've, that's it's purely the reason they've been pushing subscriptions is because they realize like it makes a lot of money and it's good for them. And it is good for developers, whether it's good for consumers or not. I think it's up for debate.
0: <laughs> I was uh, going to say, um, have you ever tried to cancel a subscription on your iPhone? Uh, oh, you want to talk about that? Oh, I love, I love. Uh, I'm just saying you, God. you're you not going to do it accidentally. That's no. all I have to say. <laughs> I
1: always th- I always like think about the like meetings. And if you're an EPM at Apple and you've been in none of these meetings, like slip me a note. Cause I'd love to hear the story, but like, Can you imagine being the person that's like, uh, um, I was thinking this sprint, we could make uh, canceling subscriptions easier. And everybody just like sits there like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let me just put that in the backlog. Right. Like it's so obvious. It's so odd. I mean, I don't, it's one of these things where I don't think anybody there is like, let's try to keep people like subscribed. Right. Like but i do definitely think if if you're trying to make unsubscribing easier i don't think you're politically your uh your ideas are going to go very far right especially when you <laughs> see how much of their revenue growth is coming from subscriptions it it's it's crazy like that that view in settings it's like a web view it's like uh, it's it's so frustrating it's so frustrating yeah. and it makes the whole like i've built my whole career now on these subscriptions and then like You talk to, you talk to consumers, like non-techy, normal consumers. And that's what they think of. Right. They think of like, Oh, this is like, obviously such a, you know, it's hard to cancel. I don't know where to cancel. I don't know how, I mean, they, they improved it in 13 when now if you delete an app and you have a subscription you can at least, it'll at least like tell you like, Hey, go cancel it. Right. Um, I think that's pretty, that's pretty great. Um, so they are making some progress. Um, but yeah it's like obviously something they're kind of dragging their feet on in my opinion
0: well it's funny because i've had to cancel a couple and i always have to go google it because i can never remember where to go to find my subscriptions to cancel them
1: it, we can't even do like i i i do this all the time and i i still like i'm like wait do i go to app do i go to the app store like do i go to settings um what do i do i uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think i think you open the iphone settings and then you go to your apple id and then I get your Apple it's, ID because
1: that makes sense, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, and and then and then it's under there, and I don't remember if subscriptions is a top level thing under there yeah. or if it's hidden under something else. But yeah.
1: It's so obvious, like the misaligned incentive they have to make it easy, right? Uh, I I registered the domain unsubscribe.zone, like a year ago that I meant to make just like a redirect. <laughs> I should get that. <laughs> I should get that set up finally. It's been sitting in my AWS route 53 account for a long time, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's something that Apple needs to fix. Like we're not, and I think app developers too, like app developers too, like we don't, we don't want to be in this business of trapping users, right? Like we, we want the good users. We want the users who love our software, who want to use it for a long time, who are on this journey with you building this thing. Right. Um, you don't want people who just installed it, did the free trial and forgot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want bad subscribers. Like We don't want subscribers who are trapped. So, um, yeah, I really hope Apple does more on that side um, in, in the coming release. We'll see what they do in iOS 14. Um, I'm hopeful.
0: Yep. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. What kinds of apps should be looking at subscriptions, which kind shouldn't, right? Because I mean, I play some games and they have like, you can get a subscription for like extra features or extra mm-hmm. resources or whatever every month that I've seen. And then some of them, it's like, you know, do a one-off purchase and you get, you know, this thing right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've seen all kinds of different apps and some of them seem like they'd really be set up well for the, the more one-off in-app purchase and someone would be set up for, hey, maybe you should find a way to do a subscription in this. So how do you make that call?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think the official as a purveyor of tools for subscription apps, all apps should have subscriptions. No, Uh, but I don't really think that's the case. Um, I, I, I think it really comes down to what is the sustained value prop that you're providing a user? And like, how, how much of a part of, of their life are you going to be? Are you going to be something that they use daily or weekly, right? Are you providing continuous value, um, to them? Are you part of their like suite of core apps that they're going to use yeah. that I think absolutely have a subscription. So like, I, I honestly think that some of these lifestyle apps are the, some of the best examples. So like, um, things like, uh, like meditation apps that you're using every day, um, weight or uh, not weight tracking, but like sometimes some weight tracking fitness apps in general, I think are really good. Um, I think, you know, some people would say like, Oh, the utility apps don't need it. Like my calculator app doesn't need a subscription. I can probably agree with that if your utility is very light, but there are certainly some utilities that, um, you know, if it's part of your professional or like, um, private life every day, like you're going to use like some photo apps, people love certain utilities for photo apps that they use all the time. And I, I can't say that it's not, you know, not a valid use of a subscription mm-hmm. in that case. It's really, really isn't on a case by case basis. Um, you know, I don't know. I can be, I can get very, like, I can get very Ayn Rand on this and just say like, let the market decide, right. Like you provide, <laughs> if you provide a subscription and nobody buys it, like, you know, the, yeah. you know, if it's not a good subscription, nobody will buy it. Right. But, um, you know, I think it's, I think going back to Sujin's what we were talking about, um, you know, I think on the developer side, it is about like, what kind of relationship do you want with the consumer? Um, and what, how, how much do you want to invest in this? As you were saying, it's like, this app should find a way to be a subscription if they want us subscribe. because right. I definitely see apps that have subscriptions. And I'm just like, this is just exploitive, right? This is, this yeah. is not, you know, this is. I'm all for raising the price of software, but I, I don't think this is the right way to do it. Right. Right. But, um, but you know, I think, I think that's on Apple in some ways too to get better about, um, you know, what they're, you know, what they're allowing in and stuff like that. Um, I hesitate to be, I hesitate to invite Apple to have more scrutiny into the apps we're making. Right. But, um, I do think it's on them to kind of curate, you know, stuff a little bit, but, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tricky call. And, um, I think it's going to get, you know, my thesis about this has been price of software is going to go up. My hope is that we actually end up with a little bit less software, but better software, right? Mm-hmm. So there's maybe fewer apps, but there's like a handful of winners in each category that are really just amazing. And I, I think we're starting to see a real reinvestment in mobile are kind of an investment in mobile apps in the way that we wanted to see in the way that, you know, some professional apps on desktop, how, you know, you talk think of things like Photoshop and like the amount of hours and effort that go into them, it's because they are used to cost $300 a seat. Right. Um, and yeah. so as the LTVs of mobile apps are going up, I think we're going to see better and better software emerge. Um, which I think is, I think everybody wants that, right? Like I think everybody wants better stuff. Um, so, you know, if you have to pay a little bit more, that's just, you know, the price.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm also a little bit curious about things like audible is an example that comes to mind, right? Where they, they do their subscription outside of the app store. Mm-hmm. You can buy, um, you can buy books on the audible app if you have credits, but you can't buy them for dollars cause they don't want to pay the Apple tax. Yeah. So do you see people doing that? And is it that much harder to do it that way versus paying the Apple tax and just having it kind of there yeah. for people? It's a
1: good question. So I think I think the only... So back back. i explaining the Apple tax a little bit. So like Apple, if you want to sell in-app subscriptions, in-app anything, um, you, or okay, sorry, if you want to sell anything in your app, if what you're selling is purely, I'm using air quotes here, digital good, meaning it's a book, a, a digital book, or it's like a content in an app features in an app or coins in a game, you have to use Apple's store kit. That's Mm -hmm. their rule. They say like, Hey, and and the reason is because they want to take their 30% cut. They want their cut of the, of the action. Um, And so audible is a good example of somebody who said like, Hey, I don't want to play this game. I can't. And in some cases can't give you 30% because you know, they sell a a, a book for 999. They probably give 699. 99 already to the person and somebody who actually sells Audible books, this might, these numbers might be way off, but they give some percentage of that already to the the author, or the publisher. And then, you know, Amazon's already probably working in a tight margin. So if they have to like, again, cut 30% yeah. out of that, they're underwater. Um, so their options are raise the price of it on the, the app, which is complicated um, to keep track of. And just like icky if you're a consumer, right? And then, or they can sell it outside of the app. Now, I think they can get away with the selling outside of the app because they're Amazon.
0: Because it's- Yeah, well, they've got a million subscribers that are paying for it one way or the other.
1: Yeah, they've got, they've got resources to educate people and to get people off the app into the store. They've got credit cards on file already. They've got a whole distribution infrastructure um, that allows them to do that. One Same other reason. thing
0: I'm going to throw out there is that I don't think people come to Audible through the app. I think people come right. to Audible through the web. Right. Sign up and pay a subscription, and then it's like, how do I get this? Oh, I need the app.
1: It's a, it, you know, but honestly, that's a that's just a luxury of them being an incumbent, right? Fair enough. Because they came up they came up kind of before the mobile age. I think you would not so like let's say Audible started today. I think it'd be pretty hard for them to start as like a web thing. I agree. It's just a different world. Like much more consumer behavior happens on mobile. It's great if you're Apple because you're like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a toll on, you know, a tax on every piece of commerce that goes over this device. Um, but, 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 yeah, I mean, Audible has all these entrenched advantages that lets them do that. When I talk to developers who are not Jeff Bezos, which is uh, 100% of the developers I talk to. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh come on! Not so lucky. The red uh, phone in your office, <laughs> Jeff. Baby, what's up? Uh, uh, yeah, I always tell people, I was like, "You're you're paying that tax, but you, what you're getting in exchange is distribution, legitimacy, in mm-hmm. some degrees, customer service, a, a customer base, right. right? There's just a ton of stuff that you're getting in exchange for access to that market." um yes it's painful yes it's like a 30 percent haircut and it and it hurts but like you know the flip side is everybody's paying the same tax um and and frankly like the distribution is good right like you get you can get an app with very little effort you can be getting thousands of downloads every day right if you have a decent app that searches well and and that's just free like you don't have to pay to have that distributed you don't have to do whatever like apple you know, Apple did all this legwork of building this store and like building these phones and giving them to a billion people or however many people have iPhones these days, right? Uh, and and so that's the price we pay for access to that to that marketplace. I don't really know. I think I kind of have some like outside theories that maybe some point the EU is going to come in and say like, hey, you can't do this anymore. Or I, I w- I'd be surprised if they said like you can't charge thirty percent because it like it's their it's their party, right? Like they can do what yeah. they want. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the E is like, well, but you got to let people install apps from other places on your phone, on their phones, right? I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, would, that, would that change the marketplace substantially? I don't know, probably not. You know, most consumers are going to take the path of least resistance for most things, which is going to be just downloading stuff from the app store, buying it there.
0: Yep. So... Do you have data on how long people usually stick around, and what? Like, like
1: like the average lifetimes and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, stuff like I that. I should, <laughs> I have I have some sort of sense, right? Um, but the one thing I've learned um, is that it's hard to draw. I actually just finished doing a big study of this across our app ecosystem. We have we have quite a few. We have enough that I can draw some broad conclusions, but like not enough that I can share it without potentially like exposing data. Um, but what I have found is that it varies a lot. Like, yes, there's like, I can tell you what the average renewal rate, uh, for a monthly subscriber is, but that average is going to be on a big distribution, um, of, you know, around that number. So, um, what I, what I've really learned is in some ways that the, the the actual quality and content of your app is going to be the biggest thing that determines how often people renew and mm-hmm. how often and how much they pay, uh, which is great to hear, right? <laughs> that means that it like matters, right? What we do as yeah. far as like how much money we make, right? Um, and so, so that's that's the thing I've learned. So when people ask, I always could give like generalizations, like obviously, like you know, um, people churn out of weeklies differently than monthlies. One thing I've found is interesting though. I've kind of noticed is that um, the market tends to find, I'm gonna get very Randy in here again, but the the market tends to find a pretty good equilibrium. So I found that like, you know, let's say like twice as many people start your monthly subscription as start your weekly or whatever. Um, It always seems like the numbers kind of work out so that, you know, if a user's gonna end up paying, you know, one X or two X the monthly price before they churn, they'll kind of end up paying that same amount. It's almost like, it's almost like the price sensitivity, like consumers are actually better at like computing and feeling that price sensitivity than they think they are. It's price subconscious, but, um, that's probably a piece of like data content marketing we should do in the coming year. (laughs) Once we have a little bit more, once we have a little bit more data and I can, uh, I can share it without feeling like I'm, I'm
0: exposing anything. No, that makes sense. Yeah. You said, um, like, uh,
2: like the price of mobile apps are like going down and you want to see it go up. And I had, I had an interesting like, uh, case with my, while, um, operating my app. So, you know, know, my app is $1 and Mm -hmm. you get, you get like free update. You got all free updates for a couple of years now. But like once (laughs) I got a, once I got a long, really like a, person wrote it, wrote a long email to me. Like, so basically she was kind of pissed. She was upset that she requested a feature and it it had, uh, it it, it didn't come out for a long time. Right. Yeah. So like she said, you know, I, I really like your app and I also like introduced your app to my, uh, my family, my friends, but why am I not getting this feature for so long and so on and so on and so on. So I was like getting that email. So I was also like, uh, sh- 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 shook because, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it felt like she was, she, she feels, I felt that she feels entitled to my like time. Right. 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 Just for $1. So yeah. like, you know, I'm a person, I had a day job at the time I was, I was going, I was uh, working as a developer company. So, like, I'm not making a fortune with this app. I'm not making, I'm not even making a living with this app. This is just my side project mm-hmm. that I, that I wanted to make because I needed it. And I, I, I knew some people needed it. But, like, you know, it was interesting to, like, see that people like pay one dollar and then suddenly, like, I, I have to work like so hard for them. They, they feel that developer has to. So that was, so, like, the pricing of it all is kind of interesting to me and also like now this is the era of subscription you know um i think because i think part of because i'm like i'm a, i'm actually a business major in in my university so like if you pay like 10 dollars per month on a subscription if you think of it as so i thought of it as like interest rate yeah you yeah. think of it like that, then if you pay like ten dollars per month, then it's like instantly you're getting like ten thousand dollar loan, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah, it's, if you think of it as an interest rate, so if you have like three apps that you pay like for ten dollars each, then you're 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 having like a thirty thousand dollar loan on you. So I think like the the men, the mental process for me is like. Do I really have to get this loan, you know, like loans yeah. on this app? So I think like the subscription system led me to purchase less apps, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah. I made, I was making that point earlier about there being less software. And I guess like, I didn't mean there was going to be fewer apps in general. I mean, you're going to have fewer apps Oh yeah. because <laughs> you have okay. to choose, right? And yeah. so it's going to cause people to be more, more discerned. Learning with what apps they choose to bring into their lives because, Hey, like you gotta pay for this stuff. Right. Um, and to the entitlement point, right. I'll tell you that that doesn't, and if you're a revenue cat customer and you're listening, this is not about you. Um, but, uh, I'll tell you that doesn't stop. If you pay $1 for an app, if you pay a thousand dollars a month, like, or anywhere in between, there's always going to be people who feel, feel like urgent and entitled to, you know, access to your time. Um, I think if you talk to probably 10 creators at any level, creating anything for people, they're always going to have stories about folks who kind of overstep the boundaries or or just have a bad sense. In the early days of revenue cat, I used to let it get to me. Right. I would get kind of upset. Like you said, or you just like shook. Right. You just be like, uh, like I'm trying, I didn't mean to upset you. Right. Yeah. Um, I've learned after seeing, it the first time you see it it's like uh the 10th time you see it you're like okay this it's just Tuesday right you learn to just and, and what and what I've learned is like you can diffuse most customer service situations like if if you're just effusive and always be grateful I've gotten myself into trouble when I'm if you try to try to fight with those people <laughs> right because you're not gonna win nobody's gonna win somebody's just like apologetic and oh, da, 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 da. you know I'm trying to do this and we're trying to improve. And da, da, da. And, you know um you know it's it's your reputation to lose right by yeah. by but you know you should also hold your ground right you should also hold your yeah. ground and like your time is valuable and i think that's one thing that as creators like we tend to we tend to self doubt and just think that like oh our time's not worth it oh my app's not worth 10 dollars a month oh my you know my my art's not worth it and you know i think I think it's just something you, you get over, you have to get over, over time. If you want to be, you know, commercially successful ma- making apps or making anything really, you kind of just have to get over that hump. And,
2: yeah. Like, it was <laughs> a happy ending for me, uh, yeah. luckily because I, yeah, so I calmed myself down and I wrote, you know, I'm, um, I have my day job and this is like side project. I'm trying really hard Yeah, and eventually you know, like the customer also replied like, says she was, she was sorry. And she yeah. was really apologetic. At, at she understood
1: have, my situation. Yeah. People have, people have bad days and they pop off and say things they don't mean.
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, uh, you know, it happens in work and it happens in customer relationships. And yeah, I think just trying to always trying to diffuse the situation is, is useful. Um, that'd be a good podcast too. It'd be like a podcast about uh customer app customer. <laughs> Cause I think yeah. that's a whole,
0: that's oh, a whole yeah. world, you know, well you guys talk about it, but, uh, I put out podcasts for free and I I get some of this.
1: It's anybody who creates anything, right? You're going to, people are going to, the line for what's expected and what's given is so like, it's because it's not well-defined, right? Like nobody gets mad at a vending machine, right? Like, hey, vending machine, like (laughs) I expected twice what what I know because it's very clearly defined. But when in this era where, you know, your podcast is free to download, right? And free to listen to people get like a weird ex and none of these listeners that are listening now, you're all perfect. Um, but people get a weird <laughs> expectation. You'll get a weird expectation about like what they're entitled to or not. And, and you know, I can, and I think it's natural. I think it's just part of the human condition, right. In some ways. So part of the cost of being a creator, uh, you just got to learn to have a little thick yeah. skin and deal with it.
0: All right. So, so Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Is that, is, uh, so like
2: I thought, like really like the price doesn't matter. As long as you pay something, there's something different going on in your mind. right? Mm-hmm. So, as long as something goes out of my wallet, it has to me it has to like worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if, it's, yeah if it's, even if it's less than like a cup of coffee, like. Well, that's, I think, my that's money, what I think, you have to give me something
1: that, you know, I think, I think that's where, I think that's where people get into trouble is because like you do have like a cup of coffee experience and like you go to a coffee shop, you spend $3 if you have a bad experience, it's on the the coffee shop to like fix that. Right. Um, I, I think there might be some weird issues with like the way that apps scale and things that like, you know, we can't necessarily provide that like customer service experience that a coffee shop can at a dollar a head. Right. Um, because of the scale we're operating at. Cause like a coffee shop, you're, you're not actually a $3 customer to that person, right? No. A coffee shop, they want you to come buy coffee every day for the next yeah. 10 years. And so you're worth thousands of dollars to them, right? Yeah. In a cynical view, right? In and in a materialistic view. But an <laughs> app, if you can only spend 99 cents in your app, you're only ever worth 99 cents, right? And I'm, I'm, of course, I'm being gr- grossly materialistic here, but like, that's just like the incentive, right? Is like, I, mm. I can only give you, help you for 99 cents worth, right? Enough that you're not going to write me a bad review. Mm. And I think that's where the actual subscription model is better for consumers, even if they don't realize it. And this is sort of maybe being patronizing, but like, um, you know, they're, they're paying a bit more, but it should enable a better experience. That's probably better for them ideally, but you know, who knows? Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think there's something behind, um, how do I put it? Expectation that they have some kind of immediate level of payoff Whereas at the coffee shop, you show up, you place your order, you go sit while they put, you know, they make whatever you ordered and then they bring it out to you or set it on the counter and you come up and get it. And and so the interaction is just different.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's also, I think the average consumer has a much better, can much more easily visualize what it is a barista does, right?
0: <laughs> Versus like and they can see the person to- behind the counter.
1: Yeah, they're like, okay, I can imagine and empathize and stuff. And I think with people who make apps, it's like, I'm not really sure, you know, and understandably, I think uh, in a lot of ways, app making and software is still very arcane to a lot of people. Um, and, And so like, yeah, I think that's also part of the reason we end up with misplaced expectations, you know, sometimes between customers and developers.
0: Have you heard of Atwood's Law? He says that anything that can be built in JavaScript eventually will be built in JavaScript, and that includes mobile apps. You can build awesome mobile apps and Apple TV and other apps with React Native. Come check us out every week as we talk about some of the ins and outs of building mobile apps with JavaScript and with React on React Native Radio. You can find it at reactnativeradio.com. So I, I guess one thing that I'm wondering is if you could just boil this down to like three or four keys to success in running subscriptions through your app? I mean, what are kind of just the easy wins that it's like, if you're gonna do a subscription, make sure you do A, B, and C, and you're gonna circumvent 80% of the problems.
1: Yeah, maybe some of these. So I can start with like technical and maybe some business points. So from a technical perspective, I, I, I tell people you don't need a server, but the problem is, is if you start without one, you basically are never going to be able to get that data back. So there is some advantage to like from day one, getting your receipts off the device. That can be as simple as just, even if you're not using them, just getting them to your server, store them in S3, like, you know, give a file name with the user ID dot receipt or whatever, like just some super simple storage, but just get them in cold storage in case you ever need them someday you have them. So I think that's, that's, that's an important point. Um, From you know, the rest of the technical stuff, I think you can kind of build on progressively as you go, like as, as you start with just like, Hey, I just need to make purchases work and like basic renewal tracking. Um, and then I want to add, you, you know, if you're working with other stakeholders and you're thinking about different offers and things you want to do, you're going to be able to build on top of that as long as you have those receipts stored somewhere, at least in my opinion. Um, I guess from the technical side, that's, that just keeps you from closing off doors. Um, you know, from this, from the subscription side, I, or from like, I guess the business side, um, you know, make sure you're building, make sure you have a clear vision of why this is valuable to people over time. Right. Make sure you understand, like, what is the value prop? Not just like, Hey, give me a money every month. Um, you know, if it is a patronage model where they're just, you know, that's sort of the expectation is that they're helping you offset the cost of providing the service. Make sure you kind of going back to communicating expectations, make sure you understand like, what and, and you'll have to do that at the paywall, right? You'll have to explain to the user like what they're paying for and why it's worth upgrading. Uh, but think about that from your perspective. Like, is it worth it for you to invest that much in this app? Like, what is the future for this app? What is what is my goal, right? Um, and then I guess more on the tactical side, on the business side, when you think about pricing and stuff like that, just copy somebody similar to you. <laughs> just go look at an app that's comparable and just be like bang and then whatever you think and if you have the tendency to be like i think it should be cheaper don't do that just make it if if you're not uncomfortable with how much you're charging you're not charging enough is usually my <laughs> usually my my theory so you should always and you'll be surprised and usually what happens is you'll get fewer customers but they'll pay more and you'll get the same amount of money and the beauty is it's better because now you just have fewer customers who actually like your product more one thing I've noticed, especially in SaaS, like selling um, services to companies and B2B stuff, is that the more price sensitive a customer is, they just tend to be less happy because they, they don't...
0: Oh, well, isn't that true?
1: Yeah, because it took me a while to understand, but they just don't see the value, right? So, And they're communicating that to you in the sense that they don't think it's worth what you're asking. Right. And so you already know like, Hey, we're at a, we're at a disconnect here on what I think this, how valuable I think this is and how valuable you think this is. So like, you're going to have problems, right. Versus somebody who agrees with your price or is, even thinks it's cheap. They're always going to be like, Oh, I'm just grateful. I think this product's a steal. Right. So <laughs> Those are the customers you would like to work with. Right. The, the, the easy ones, easier ones. No.
0: Yeah. It's the same in freelancing one. by the way.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good example too, of like where, yeah. You, you really want to, you really don't want to haggle and like, <laughs> like yeah, nope. uh, because yeah, you're, you, you have your idea of value of their time mm-hmm. and probably you have a better sense of like <laughs> what the costs and structures and how that's going to keep you incentivized.
2: Well, in my, in my uh, experience at the app store, uh, but like I have another opinion, like on the, on the price and the volume. So if I, uh, if I because I'm an individual developer, I, my app is not run by a company. So, you know, the volume kind of matters when it can get to the, you know, rankings mm, mm-hmm. because I, I, I don't spend any money on marketing. So mm-hmm. people like um has to find my app on the app store. Yeah. So one, one time I increased my app to $2, but then my sales decreased and then it got out, out of the rank ranking, and right? The, the top rank. chart. Yeah. yeah so. I just, I I got scared and I I just like uh, lower it again, but yeah. then it got back to the chart and as long as it gets, it's in the chart, like pe- I get, my app gets um, noticed. My app is yeah. is, yeah.
1: I would say one thing about subscriptions and the freemium, having a free trial of some, some generous free trial kind of helps with that because you can uh, kind of still charge a lot, but have something that allows you to rank organically. But yeah, that's oh, true. That's cool. So, so I, so. So condition my advice on raising your price about your distribution model, right? So if you're relying on having high rank things like keep organic down, then you might need to like think about it. But that's that's you the whole reason out there the for raising the model. A second. Right? So oh sorry. Uh uh I was just saying is like condition my advice to raise the price on whether or not you should, you know, think about your distribution and like don't want to totally cut off your distribution, right? So like Yeah. Connecting back to what I said earlier, every app is different. Every category is different. The quality of your app matters a lot. The quality of like your marketing also matters and just like your app store page and things like that too. So it's a lot to consider.
0: All right. Well, um, we've kind of talked a lot around the ideas involved in subscriptions. Hopefully we, uh, you know, don't scare too many people away, (laughs) but uh, at the same time, I mean, I think there's an opportunity here and it's, it's fairly automatic to get people sign up, right? You don't have to do as much selling because hopefully they're already using your app. So um anyway, it, it sounds like you've got a solution that actually solves a lot of these problems with Revenue Cat. We haven't talked a ton about what it is. So do you want to talk about just how it solves some of these issues if somebody wants to check it out?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I mean Revenue Cat was really just born out of code. I think that most subscription apps past a certain scale are going to have to write anyway. Um, it really is not that different than, you know, I always tell people it's not rocket surgery, like we, we take, we just like take a lot of like the yak shavy stuff that some of the stuff I've been talking about today, but other, other stuff, like we provide two parts. It's like an SDK that wraps store kit and and, and smooths out some of the things we were talking about earlier. Um, but then also connects it with our server API where we collect the receipts. Um, but that's where the real magic happens is that we take the receipts, we decrypt them, um, we store them in like a usable format that can be used for analytics and events and, um, all kinds of interesting stuff like customer support. You'll be able to see which subscribers have renewed and just, just we extract all the data we can from the receipts and give it to you in a format that you can use to, to power other things. Um, so yeah, it's not, you know, I don't, (laughs) it's not like. It's not like it's totally, uh, you know, Nikolai Tesla over here inventing stuff, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was just built. It was just built as what I always felt was like the missing layer on in-app purchases and especially in-app subscriptions. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, you should check, check it out. It's free if you make less than 10 K a month, which is most Indies. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we don't provide like, all the bells and whistles, but frankly, the bells and whistles, you probably don't need um, when you're just getting started. Um, And, and yeah, it can help you get it up and running in a day or two or even shorter if depending on what you're working with. And, um, and yeah, we love, we love to work with it. I love all the apps I get to see. That's one of the best job, best parts of this job. Like I get a feed whenever somebody signs up with revenue cat and like adds their app, Mm -hmm. I, I get to see like what people are working on. Just the there are so many niches. it's amazing <laughs> to oh, yeah. see like how the mobile space and like apps have just like filled every possible niche um and 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 they keep there's keep new ones every every month. I'm always like that's a new thing. I didn't realize even you know uh even was a thing <laughs> so um yeah I love it I love to see see more developers using our stuff
0: nice all right well if if that's all we've got, um let's go ahead and Let's do some picks.
1: Oh, I got a pick.
0: Before we do that, um, if people want to just connect with you and ask you questions about subscriptions, is there a good place to do that?
1: Um, yeah, I'm always always happy to engage on Twitter, which is at J J-E-I-T-I-N-G, J-E-I-T-I-N-G. Um, but otherwise too, it's um, you know, I'm always hanging out on Revenue Cat. So if you hit one of the contact forms there, you'll you'll get a hold of if not me, probably somebody who actually knows more than I do, <laughs> which is nice. cool that I, there's people here that 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 do that now. So I'm kind of obsoleting myself, which is great. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to I'm always happy to help as uh, uh, you know spread spread what I know.
0: Nice. Are you said you had some picks? Go for it.
1: Oh, okay. So uh, this is totally unrelated to anything in app subscriptions, maybe even uh, unrelated to iOS, but uh, it is computer stuff. So. Uh, It's this site called Observable HQ. Um, Do you guys know Mm d3.js? It's like this visualization library. New York times uses it for all their really cool uh, data visualization stuff. Um, I've been wanting to play with it for a long time because I think it's, it's pretty powerful and you can embed it in the web. And um, I'm working on like a new data visualization project for revenue cat. Um, And I was like, I need it's like, I just need like a sandbox where I can play with data and 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 charts and like and just kind of mess around and like I don't want to set up a I was like looking at the D3 tutorials and it was like npm da da I'm like oh no like please no uh, <laughs> and so I found this site um, and if you've ever used uh, Jupyter notebooks is like a thing on python that's kind of similar but it's like a, an interactive code environment where you can import anything from like the javascript npm repos mm-hmm. Um, and you can load D three or CSVs and essentially like do experimentation with, um, visualizations in the browser as these like notebooks. Um, now the cool thing is it's so like, let's say you it's, it's all declarative and I think it's the right word declarative. And it's like functional, it's almost like combine or like if you've used some of the like functional reactive programming concepts, um, so like you know, in a notebook, you can define like, Hey, load this CSV to this object. And then further down in your code, you might have like a, um, you might have like a, a chart that pulls in that CSV and renders it. Um, but the cool thing is, is like when, when you make changes in that first code block way up the top, it will just automatically update everything. Um, so it's really neat. I found a way to like load CSV from a Google doc. So now, now I sort to see like a Google doc, I can like add data to a Google doc. And then it updates all these like visualizations I'm experimenting with, um, which is really cool. I just thought it was a really neat tool. Uh, somebody, I asked for visualization sandboxes on Twitter a couple weeks ago and somebody sent this to me. I, I thought I thought it was pretty neat. I also noticed it was on Hacker News today. So I'm just a little bit ahead of the curve. Just There you thinking.
0: go. <laughs> awesome. All right, Sujin, what are your picks?
2: Oh, uh, yes, my, my pick uh, mm-hmm. is it's kind of boring, but it's Zoom uh, for video conferencing. So the past in the past week, uh, because of the outbreak of you know coronavirus in Asia, many people are um, working from home, including myself. And I just, even we're on it right now, right? So it's really great for for all the things. So th- last week was my first week in at this new company. But I, but um, working from home and attending meetings in Zoom is really like um, I'm. It feels like I'm not missing out. So like screen sharing, all the stuff like that. So I think this is a cool, um, cool product. Yeah, I re- I'm beginning to like really uh, use it more, and I recommend to my friends. So. Yeah, it's it's awesome.
1: At Revenue Cat Zoom is part of our core
2: stack.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's
1: a
2: lot of folks I've
1: never met in person, even I've only seen them on Zoom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've done a ton of uh podcasts on Zoom too. So
1: Yeah. We I use the um I see we're recording this in Zoom, but we use that a ton at Revenue Cat. It's, um in Zoom you can have like scheduled calls and then you can have them like recorded automatically. So I have it set up to record automatically and then it posts. To Zapier, Zapier reads the URL, downloads it, sticks it in our shared Google Drive, the videos, and then also posts it to Slack. Um, so that like we have a like we have our engineering meeting every day. If you can't make it, it gets recorded automatically. I thought that was really cool. One thing about Zoom that like versus like Google Hangouts or something like that is like Zoom's like developer support is pretty good. It's pretty great.
2: Yeah, and you have this Chrome extension. You make you make an invitation. It sends out the Zoom link automatically, so like everyone can join from anywhere. I think it's
0: cool. Nice. They actually need that automation because <laughs> we use Google Drive to get the stuff to our uh, to our editors, and yeah, they've they've had to just go in and and uh, download it from Zoom because last time uh, I checked, I wasn't able to do that. so, so
1: the trick is there's no direct. There is a Zoom Zapier integration, but it's not, um, it doesn't do what you need to do automatically. But what you can do is um, set up just a, so I actually had to create like a Zoom app, like on their app platform, um, uh-huh. and then I could get access to their webhooks API. And then I sent their webhooks API to Zapier, and that I was able to make work. So, um, you know, just duct taping things together at scale. <laughs> What I, I do Stop these things, just that's, that's just the people. most, that's the most programming I'm allowed to do. Well,
2: <laughs> that really
0: resonates.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Stop TV stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I, I need that app.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should start selling it. A little side hustle for revenue cash. There, there
0: we go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I need to figure that out because that would, that would save us some effort. But, yeah. All right, cool. Well, I've got a couple of picks. The first one is, um, they call it the Chronicles of Narnia adult box set and they have it on amazon but what's really the killer deal there is the audiobook so you get the audiobook and it has all seven chronicles of narnia books in it and each one's read by a different uh actor and so the first one's read by kenneth brana uh the last one's read by patrick stewart uh, i'm just i'm i'm really excited for that one reading uh or listening to the last battle read by Captain Picard, but anyway, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to dive into that. And so I'm going to pick that and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, one other thing that, uh, I'm going to just shout out about and Sujin kind of talked about this a little bit is I'm seeing a lot of people tweeting, talking, uh, et cetera, about coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you're going to call it. And, um, anyway uh, a bunch of people have come to me and basically asked me for um, online conferences and I put on I put a bunch on before and so you know this isn't a new thing for me incidentally we use zoom for that too um, we also used another uh, app and I'm trying to remember what it's called before but they they had weird issues I'm sure they figured them out by now. It's been a few years. But anyway, um, so we're going to put on some online conferences. So if you go to devchat.tv slash conferences, you can check those out. Um, I'll probably have a Swift one or iOS one. uh, I'm thinking a little after WWDC. So probably August, September. Assuming
1: WWDC happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I'm seeing is that... um, and, And it's interesting to watch the news on it because... Um, at least in the U.S., like some people are putting forward that, you know, we're going to see a whole bunch of people get wiped out by coronavirus, and then other people saying, "No, we've got it under control, and nothing's going to happen." Um, and a lot of it seems to be motivated basically by some outcome that they do or don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know exactly what to believe. I don't know what the long term outcome of this is going to be or whether it's just going to you know maybe it'll just wind up having everybody freaked out for a few months and then nothing at least in the u.s major happens or it could come blow through here and you know you have a one percent or two percent mortality rate from it i don't know it'd
1: be pretty bad i uh i kind of think we're seeing it in the conference space because secretly a lot of people don't want to do conferences anyway and so they're like, oh, we have an excuse now, <laughs>
0: right? There, there might be some of that. Um, a, a lot of the tweeting that I've been seeing incidentally has been from uh, DevRel uh-huh. folks, because they go to a lot of the conferences. Yeah,
1: th- th- I was thinking about that today. I was like, if I do like one conference a quarter max, right? And so like, yeah. if I were doing like every other week, I think your chance of crossing yeah. over it at least once is gonna go up, but.
0: Yeah, last year I think I did about two dozen conferences yeah that, it was a ton and this yeah. year I just I really haven't done any and it wasn't because of this it was just because you know I had a couple things change and I just couldn't go so
1: yeah I, I I I'm always mixed I'm always like glad I went but when I'm there I'm so tired oh <laughs> I yeah get so exhausted like yeah. after like I could do like an hour of Hanging out with people like this and talking a lot, but afterwards, man, I need I almost gonna like a nap. So yep. they're, they're a lot for me. <laughs> so I try to minimize. But I do love, I'm excited to go to we were we're probably gonna sponsor AltConf again this year, um, have a booth again. So we did that last year and got to meet a ton of customers and it was fun just to have a have a home base. So I'm kinda hoping dub dub goes down yeah. or happens just so I can I can go do that. So nice. We'll just see.
0: Yeah, but anyway, so I'm pulling together the um JavaScript one right now, but once I kind of have the website template together, you know, then it's just a matter of, you know, rinse and repeat for the rest of them. And we have 18 shows. So, you know, that's 18 or so conferences that I could conceivably put on. Um, but yeah, you know, if people, and and I find that a lot of people from around the world, the tickets aren't as expensive. They don't have to pay the travel. And so it, it does pay off for, for people. So, I'm I'm excited to do it again. Um, before it was a little bit of kind of a drain on my time and resources, but I figured I'd give it another go because people had been asking for it before coronavirus. So I just never got around to. Putting it's the stuff excuse
1: together. the whole world needed to go remote.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and we'll we'll have uh, Discord servers and stuff for folks and. Anyway, we'll, we'll make a deal out of it and and have a good time, but yeah. So that's what we're doing. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, that that's what we've got. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Jacob.
1: Hey, it was a pleasure. Um, was excited, I think we talked about some topics I didn't, I didn't know quite which way we go, but I think we covered some uh, interesting stuff. So I appreciate the opportunity.
0: We never do. It's always a fun conversation. (laughs) And I'm glad I'm glad Sujin got all of his questions answered.
1: Yeah, super yeah. good. I always love a good case study.
2: It's yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely doing subscription this year. This is all right. yeah, one of the top of the list.
1: I saw That's you just followed me on Twitter, so you know where to you know where to get a hold of me. So uh, yeah. I
0: was gonna say Sujin, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. We'll we'll wrap this one up. Uh, max out everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit dot to learn more.